Well, praise God. We are here, and there's no other place in the world that we would rather be. Amen? Amen. I'm seeing we should have probably handed out sunglasses before the Mass. Uh, hopefully that'll pass soon. But it, it is so good to be here together tonight. And we can forget about the time, right? There's nothing after this that we have to, to worry about. We're not going to be like that little girl who came to Mass with her dear mother. And after the, the homily just kept going and going and going, she says to her mom, Mommy, if we give him the money now, will he let us go? <laughs> we don't have to be like her. We're not in any rush. I want to take a moment to welcome also all the visitors that are joining us here tonight. What a gift to have you here with us in this celebration. As you can see, we're also blessed to have our dear brother, Monsignor Jeffrey Steenson, uh, everyone's favorite grandpa priest. Yes. Yes, good to have you here also. We're also blessed to have uh, our seminarian, Sebastian. Uh, he's the MC tonight, the master of ceremonies. And we're so grateful, brother, that you could join us and also help us out with this celebration. We have two people here tonight uh, whom the church holds with great love and honor. Uh, Jan, right over here, and Cole, right over here, who are going to be receiving sacraments at the Easter Vigil. And they're going to help bring up the oils that the bishop blessed today at the Chrism Mass. So we're so grateful you could be here this evening. And we are just excited to be part of the Lord's anointing upon you uh, Saturday evening. Uh, Cole is going to be baptized, and then both of them together will be confirmed and enter into full communion with us. This gospel scene from St. John is preceded by the visit of Jesus to the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And remember what Mary did in this visit. She had this cruet of costly perfume, and she knelt down and anointed the Lord's feet with this costly perfume, and she dried his feet with her hair. And John is careful to note that the whole house was filled with the beautiful aroma of that anointing. Just keep this in mind as we now listen to how Jesus fulfills what happened there. What is the greatest thing 
you and I could do with our life. There are so many things that fill your life and mine. There are so many different activities, interests, pursuits. There are all kinds of things we do for work and we do for rest and relaxation. And as we look over our life and all the things that we have done, the things that we have yet to do, is there a calling on your life and mine that is greater than all these other things, as good as they may be? Another way to put this, if there's one thing I could do with my life, what would I do? Is there an overarching call on your life and mine that gives meaning and value to everything else? In fact, eternal value. Now, let's listen to John as he sums up the life of Jesus. What does he say? And Jesus loved his own in the world, and he loved them to the end. And we know what that means. It means he loved them even unto death, the last breath, the last drop of blood, he gave it all. Wouldn't that be beautiful if someone could say that about your life, about my life at the very end? He or she loved their own in this world and loved them to the end. Wouldn't that be great to have on our tombstone? Although I'm afraid my inscription is going to be, he tried. <laughs> and then dot, dot, dot. No, he really tried. <laughs> That's probably about as good as I'll get. The greatest gift of our life is the God-given, blessed capacity to love. It's the gospel principle. Our life increases only to the degree that we give it away. Whoever tries to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life generously will save it. Whoever would be greatest among you must be willing to become the least and the servant of all. And Jesus gives the ultimate way of living this in the giving of his life, which the institution of the Passover meal is what anticipates it and makes it present for us here tonight. When he will say to us again, this is my body given up for you. This is my blood shed 
and poured out for you so that sins may be forgiven. And so Jesus not only wanted to wash the feet of the disciples, he reveals in his death on the cross that he ultimately wanted to wash our soul. And think of the number of times Jesus has done just that for you and for me, especially in that beautiful sacrament of reconciliation. I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The cleansing of our soul. Now, I'm the one that needs sunglasses here. This is why the foot washing is absolutely necessary in connection with the celebration of the, the Mass. Because the Mass that we gather for each week, and I know some of us, some of you, are even so blessed to be able to go to daily Mass. Like, wow, amazing. We can even go to Mass during the week, sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the evening, wherever their Mass is offered in the city. But when we offer Mass, what are we doing the rest of the week? What are you doing? What am I doing? We're, we're doing Eucharist. We're living the mystery we celebrated. We're becoming for each other a living Eucharist in the ways that we rise from this altar, this table, as Jesus rose from supper and then bowed down to wash the feet of his disciples, we rise from this table, this altar, in order to live lives bowed down in humble servant love. And notice that Jesus, back in that day, is doing something that was considered the humblest task a person could do for another, washing their feet. The dirtiest part of the body, which always got dusty from the roads of Palestine, he was washing the dirtiest part, which is why his disciples were shocked. But this is the way the mass and the washing of feet are connected. And there was a Mexican man that put this together for me so simply but so profoundly. I met him several years ago. He was 40 years old at the time. He was a very simple man. Nothing about him would draw notice or attention. It was almost like he was invisible to most people. He lived in a trailer, a small little trailer, with his mother, who was seriously ill for several years. 
And every day, he would help his mother. He would serve her. He would love her. And one day he said to me, he said, Brother, when I go to Mass, Jesus takes care of me. But when I go home, I take care of Jesus in all the ways that I love my dear mother. Isn't that absolutely beautiful? And the sense of washing the dirtiest part, Jesus is inviting you and I to touch the suffering in people's life that we at times would love to avoid. Sometimes we're too calculating in our love. We're afraid of the cost. How much will this cost me? How much time and convenience and comfort will I have to give up if I get close to this particular person? Am I willing to touch them in their woundedness, their brokenness, in their pain, in their struggles with sin, their weakness, all the areas where they are imperfect. This is where we're called to humble ourselves and love. I'm going to end by saying perhaps one of the most beautiful expressions of living the Eucharist in the way that I just explained of Jesus cleansing our soul from sin is washing each other's feet in acts of apology and forgiveness. Apology and forgiveness. We are hurting each other all the time. We don't wake up intending to do it, but because we are fallen, because we are weak, sometimes even when we desire to love, weakness gets the better of us, and we say things that are hurtful, we fail to do things that are hurtful. We do things that hurt one another. And it's in this place where the most beautiful foot washing can take place. I will never forget the first time my brother came to me one day. I was 17 years old. And my brother came up to me and said, Steve, I am so sorry for all the ways that I hurt you. I was blown over. I was not expecting this. And it's so important that we say the words. Sometimes we just were so proud that we can't humble ourselves to actually say, will you forgive me for what I just said or for what I just did? Will you forgive me to say the words? Sometimes we just want it to blow over and pretend everything's okay. 
But then like a boomerang, it comes back. And it comes out sideways. But to say to someone, I want to apologize for what I just did or failed to do. Will you forgive me? And then for the other person, the foot washing is mutual. I forgive you. To say the words. I love, those, I love some of the expressions in the South. Sweet pea, buttercup, right? Let's practice this, all right? Okay, together. First, I'll say it, and I want you to repeat after me. And let's pretend you're talking to someone in your family, and so obviously they are dear to you, okay? So if I use the word honey, that's not going to be offensive, right? Okay. Even friends, you know, right? You can call each other honey. Okay. Honey, I am sorry for what I said. Say it together. Honey, I am sorry for what I said. And now let's respond the other way. I forgive you, sweet pea. I forgive you, sweet pea. All right? Let's try one more. Honey, I am so sorry for what I did yesterday. Honey, I am so sorry for what I did yesterday. And let's respond. I forgive you for what you did, buttercup. I forgive you for what you did, buttercup. Is that so hard? It's actually, now, do you feel good? Doesn't that feel good? It feels even better after we've been hurt or we've hurt someone. This is the deep, powerful washing of feet that can happen all throughout the week. So let's do this. As Jesus washes our feet in the Mass, let's leave here tonight washing the feet of each other and especially in apology and forgiveness. Amen.